to the Foundations for Discipleship podcast. I'm Alan Brace, and I'm joined by Pastor Tim Barr of Tri-City Baptist Church in Blue Springs, Missouri. Today is an exciting day for us. Uh, we have a special guest. Pastor Tim, why, why don't you introduce our guest for us? Yeah, hey, I want to say hi to everybody. Uh, we got John Varis with us today. Uh, John is from Romania. He is here in the United States right now studying at Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, working on his doctorate, and he is a missionary at Tri-City Baptist Missions. And I'm super excited to have John. John, welcome. Thank you so much, uh, Pastor Barr and uh, Brother Allen. Oh, it's so great to have you with us uh, today. We are working on episode four of the podcast as we work through the book Foundations, Bible Truths for Christian Growth. Uh, today, we're going to begin chapter two, working through the topic of eternal security. Um, I think we need to start out by kind of giving us a, a broad definition of what we mean by eternal security. Pastor, how about uh, you take Take that one and, let it, and, and help us to understand what eternal security is all about. All right. There's a little slogan that people sometimes use that's helpful. It's once saved, always saved. Um, now, that's really too little of a statement, but it's a good starting point. And that is once someone is a born-again Christian, they stay one for all eternity. Um, the, but I think we could even say more. John, how would you add to that? Because it's more than just once saved, always saved. Oh, absolutely. And uh, some um, people may use this slogan just simply to um, say uh, that, you know, once saved, they can live however they want. And so today we have these uh, uh, type of Christians, like call, calling themselves like carnal Christians, saying, we, well, you know, I'm saved, so I can live however I want my life. However, uh, we learn based on the scripture and on our handbook that it's not like that. Um, loving God and having internal, eternal security means that we have to have some works that will prove our faith in, in God. Yeah, I would add on to what John just said. It's not just once saved, always saved. It's once in relationship with God, always in relationship with God. Right. Um, and, and I'm going to affirm it's God that puts us in relationship with him, and it's God that keeps us in relationship with him. And, and you bring up a, a point there about it, uh, a relationship. It, it is a relationship with God, and, and we, find, we find out about that relationship in the Bible, and it, and it tells us about uh, eternal security. Where do our feelings fit into that particular um, statement? I mean, we're, 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 how do our feelings fit into this? if they do at all. You know, so we got to be careful that we base what we believe, not on how we feel, but on what God says. Um, but if we, so the big question is always described kind of like a, a train. So the question is, what is the engine and what is the caboose? Is it our feelings are the engine that drives everything? And then God's teaching follows it or is it that God's word is the engine and our and our feelings follow that what God's word says and I think we have to say it's God's word that gives us our security in Christ and then our feelings kind of follow along not perfectly because we're fallen but they follow exactly 
Exactly. I think if we, you know, if we're going to follow our feelings, uh, well, today I don't feel saved, you know, kind of deal. And, and we have to know what we know um, and, and, and live that way. Um, you know, John, we're, it says in the Bible that we're saved by grace. How about you explain that to us? It, it, you know, the, the whole business of being saved by grace. Can you, can you boil that down into a couple of sentences? Absolutely. Uh, the good news or the gospel is that um, believing in Christ and, he, and in his uh, work, finished work on the cross, um, and on his life and death and resurrection, it means that we are saved. However, not everybody agrees what are the what is the role of men of people in the entire business of salvation. And so some people would say, well, yes, you know, you have to believe in Christ to be saved, but you need to do, you need to work something um, in order to be saved. And so we have all sorts of ideas in uh, Christendom, I would say, um, especially you know, coming from, an, uh, from a country that is uh, mostly Eastern Orthodox, I can see all sorts of um, ideas that are um, kind of far from the Bible and what the Bible teaches. So we are justified by faith in Christ without any um, part that would belong to, to, uh, to men. And so Christ is the, uh, God is the one that, you know, worked all our salvation and we have basically to trust Christ for, for it, and we don't have to work anything. However, um, our deeds should show that we are saved. Now, so, John, in, uh, in, in Romania, where you have the Eastern Orthodox churches being so strong, am I right that when you walk in the church, it smells and feels like, like you're a Christian? Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, you have incense. What else do they have? I mean, most of us have never been in one of those churches. Well, first of all, in an Eastern Orthodox church, uh, there is no comfort in the sense that you have it here in the United States. So by that, I mean, you don't have comfortable chairs or even uh, maybe um, a heated um, system to, you know, to, to keep the church warm or anything like that. So... When you go in these churches, even like during winter, I mean, you have to be uh, to have several layers of clothes on you uh, just because they don't believe that, you know, the body is important. And actually, um, this has a theological background uh, in the sense that, you know, the body is bad and the soul is good. And so they believe, you know, the soul is trapped in the body. So in order to purify your body, I mean, your soul is that you have to... Uh, make your body suffer. And so when you go to church, you don't go there like to be, you know, comfortable and feeling good, but you have to punish the body. You know, that's kind of how I feel every time I start working out. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's got that same feeling. Yeah. You know, one thing that's neat about, if you think about the contrast of what you just said there, John, with grace, grace is when we get something that we do not deserve, right? For by grace, we are saved through faith. And that is when God does a work in our lives. And when, when they show up on that cold day and smell the incense and they're so, you know, freezing cold, they're not waiting for God to act upon them. They're acting in order to get God's attention. Or am I wrong in that? 
Absolutely. I mean, you have to get God's favor in this. It's something that you have to work it out. So, for instance, if I could give you uh, an example, now we will celebrate Easter in a few in a few weeks, and so uh, there is uh, these uh, fasting right now going on uh, in these countries, and so you have to. Uh, do some deeds in order to uh, be saved. And as a matter of fact, you, are, you don't really know if you are saved. So if you'll ask an Eastern Orthodox priest, you know, about this, uh, about salvation, he will uh, most likely say, well, you know, this is something that only God knows. It's nothing that you can be sure of. So what you have to do is to try to earn your place in heaven. And how do you do that? Well, you know, you light candles, you have to follow some like, certain, you know, traditions. So, for instance, uh, when is um, the Sunday, uh, the Easter Sunday? Well, a night before, uh, between Saturday and Sunday, um, you have to go to church, you know, to be part of the uh, liturgy, you know, listening the sermon and all these sort of things. But you will also have, for instance, to circle on your knees the church uh, so that even though your knees will become kind of bloody after circling the church for a couple of times. Uh, that means, you know, you, you really uh, are in, you are really interested in salvation in all these sort of things. And in somewhat God looks at that and says, well, you know, this is a good and faithful, uh, you know, um, person. So, you know, when there, when there will be, you know, the, the sleep of the soul after death, you know, he will have a chance to, uh, to get saved, actually, and other people to uh, to do some good deeds for the for the deceased in order to get in heaven. Yeah, think about this: as they're doing all those works, trying to see their relatives saved, trying to get themselves saved. Um, in all of that, this is where Ephesians two eight nine is so interesting. It, it for by grace we are saved through faith, and not of ourselves. It's a gift of God, not as a result of works, lest anyone should boast. Right. I mean, they're, so they feel like if they get it, they earned it and they can brag about it. But then they also feel like if you had it for a while and then you stop going, you can lose it. See, that's right. the problem of any workspace salvation. You know, it, it's kind of like almost like there's a gauge of where it, there's saved and then there's lost. And I can get to the saved if I keep doing enough, but if I don't keep it up, then I then I get to the lost stage. And people live in fear of this. There's no hope in any of that. Well, to use your analogy of working out, it's, you know, you work out, you gain muscle, you gain muscle tone, you quit doing it, and you lose it. And that's sort of the way people view the work side of salvation, is that you got to keep at it to, just to keep it up. Now, uh, we have been granted, and it says in uh, John 1, I believe, uh, around verse 12 and 13, that we have been granted permission or granted the right to become part of God's family after salvation, uh, just in a similar way uh, that we are part of an earthly family from birth. Uh, I think the analogy we used is if you, um, in, in the class on Sunday night, was uh, if you, no matter if, you're, if your uh, siblings give you a hard time and don't want anything to do with you, you're still part of the family. But that brings up the point of relationship and fellowship. You know, your family put, you know, can, can quit talking to you. You may not see them for several years, 
So that's a that's a fellowship issue because you're still in the real. How how do we flesh out that relationship fellowship thing and and what effect does sin have on each one of those um, those topics those particular things relationship and fellowship. You know, First John one nine is really helpful for me in that um, it says if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And notice it's a we concept that even as Christians, we still have an obligation to say the same thing about our sin that God says, right? We have to ask for forgiveness and God forgives and God cleanses. Now, it never says you get kicked out of the family and get brought back into the family, but rather there is a kind of sin that breaks the connection. Um, like, like this happens as a dad with my kids. If my kids um, choose to say or do something that is really offensive to me, that breaks the, the closeness, the connection. We have a lot of humor in my family, a lot of jokes. There won't be jokes that night, right? Yeah. Um, but they don't cease to be my kid, right? I mean, we still love them, right? and, and we are just waiting for that relationship to be restored. That's really different than being a lost person. Exactly. So we are, we are granted the right to become a, children, a child of God's, um, part of the family. That's the relationship side of it. And the fellowship side of it is based on whether or not we are obedient um, whether or not we sin and any of that sort of thing separates us from that, from the fellowship side, the fellowship part of our relationship with God. Um, we have a certain, uh, you know, when we are joined to Christ uh, and have position and privileges, uh, what, what are those positions and privileges that we have before God as, as we are joined with Christ, John? Uh, perhaps we can explain that in a way that um, let's, let's say it's a new believer and we're trying to assure them, how do we get to that? How do we explain that point? How do we explain that we are joined to Christ and that we have certain rights and privileges at that point? And that's a very good question. Um, when you are in Christ, you can rest um, on the promises of the Lord. If the Bible says, Yes, if you believe in Christ and in his death and resurrection and the fact that he died for you as a substitutionary death uh, on the cross, that means that, the, that based on the Bible, you can be secure that what God says, it will happen. And if you, we look in the scripture, we see that every time when God promises something, uh, he will keep his promises, even though our emotions sometimes might, might they might be high, sometimes slow, sometimes our joy might be, um, you know, stolen by something. But um, we know for sure, based on the scripture, that um, once if we are saved, if we look, for instance, in the Old Testament, the book of Esther or um, Israel or Nehemiah, we see that God said he will preserve his people you know, um, the, the believers in him. And so God always kept uh, his promises and we can rest on in this idea. Yeah, even if you look at the life of Christ, look how many times the gospel writers go back and say, this promise was made through this prophet and it was fulfilled in Jesus accurately and perfectly. Uh, the whole Bible is predicated on the idea that when God says he will do something, he will do it. 
And, and that is true not only for the coming of Christ, that is true for our own salvation. And we have a new position before God in, uh, once we are joined to Christ. Uh, we have, um, you know, we are no longer under condemnation of sin. We're, we, we're made alive. We're, we're, it says in 2 Corinthians that we are a new creation. All is made new. All is new. And uh, old things have passed away, and, and we've become this new creation. That's a, just an awesome thought to think about. Well, as we close out this, this podcast, uh, there are a few points that we would like to remind our teachers that are listening. You know, stress the importance of, of uh, secure, uh, scripture memory uh, with your students. Make sure that they are going through and understanding these verses. Uh, are there anything else that we would like to remind them of, Pastor? You know, I agree with you on that, um, emphasizing scripture memory. It is the word of God that's quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, not our book, not our arguments. It's God's word. And there is no greater gift that we can give to someone mentoring than the opportunity to memorize and meditate on God's word. So let's just keep that at the forefront. Very good. Well, this is a wrap, I guess, on uh, our podcast for today. Um, we're so delighted to have John Varis join us. Um, and, uh, pastor Tim, I'm Alan Brace. Thank you for joining us on foundations for discipleship and we'll talk to you soon. So long. Mm-hmm.